G'day, you mob, and welcome to this episode of The Goss. Today, I sit down with my dad and we talk all about the coronavirus. We've tried to sort of lay off the coronavirus a bit lately, but I thought it would be an important episode to sort of cover that topic and talk about some of the interesting stories that have come up recently with the coronavirus, talk about the state of the outbreak in Australia, and also the pandemic's effect on our economy more broadly. So, Dad and I have a big chat about that. We also talk about the first pandemic in Australia back in the year 1789, when smallpox tore through the continent and killed untold thousands of Indigenous Australians. And lastly, we talk about a tragic dog attack that occurred on a beach in New South Wales and why you don't see many pet dogs or pet cats just roaming around the streets in Australia. They tend to be locked up, so we talk all about that. Guys, don't forget, if you want access to the full episode today, as well as the transcripts and the downloads, make sure to sign up for either the premium podcast, where you'll get access to that content, or to the academy, where you'll have access to everything in the academy, as well as all of the podcast content. You can do that at www.aussieenglish.com. With that aside, guys, kick the kookaburra and let's get into it. G'day, guys. Welcome to this episode of The Goss. Dad made a a joke last week saying, oh, we might be doing this by Skype. Look where we are. Yeah, look where we are. We're not on Skype, but uh, we're about as close as you can get. So, so yeah, we're on Zoom. But uh, what happened, Dad? What happened? Uh, well, Victoria, the state of Victoria um, put us on the next level of lockdown. And the advice from the Prime Minister's uh, sort of special panel that he has, the medical panel that he has, is that anybody who's now at risk should be completely self-isolated. So, because I've got an ongoing heart problem and I'm an asthmatic, I fall into, even if it's the bottom end, but I fall into that over 60s risk factor collection. So, um, I'm now at home, unable to leave. So, you're allowed no. to go outside? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can go outside <laughs> and fiddle around, but no contact with people, basically. I know. Mum came around the other day, or at least she came around. She was outside the gate and wasn't too keen to come in. She was uh, handing yeah. us things through the gate and was like, I miss everyone. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we caught up with your sister and niece today via Skype. So, uh... oh, now's our catch up, huh? So, should we smash out the coronavirus stuff? We should give probably people a bit of an update. How's it going in Australia? Um, yeah, look, according to today's statistics... 4,800 confirmed cases, another death in Queensland, so we're now up to 20 deaths. Um, but the increase is slowing, if that's not an oxymoron. How, um, how come we've maintained so few deaths when comparatively other places seem to be having a much higher percentage? So we've got, you know, well, even if we had, I know it's more than 2,000 cases, but if we had 2,000 cases and we've had 20 deaths, that's a percent mortality, right? It's actually half a percent at the moment. We've had 20 yeah. deaths out of 4,800 yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's much lower than, than elsewhere. Look, I think, uh, thankfully, we panicked early. Yeah. <laughs> so, and because of our geographic isolation, we were aware of the problem before there were any cases in Australia. And so we started to shut borders 
and take those sort of things a bit more seriously. Obviously, there have been a, a couple of hiccups in that, you know, with the, um, the Ruby Princess cruise ship being allowed to let a couple of thousand passengers off without them being checked when it turns out now I think there's 130 plus cases that have come directly from that ship, not just, you know, people associating with people that have come off the ship. So clearly there was somebody percentage. on there that had it. Yeah. Um, but I think we've done pretty well from that point of view of, of closing the borders and putting some of the restrictions on um, and, the state of Victoria in particular, and thankfully we've got a Premier who's taken this seriously, and he's he and the Premier of New South Wales have basically been leading the country on it, and they've been pushing harder than the federal government have for um, social isolation um, rather than just social distancing for isolating people, um, and they've been sort of one ramp up ahead of the federal government most of the time, which um, has been good. And, look, you know, Victoria has... Uh, comparatively few cases in comparison with our population and I think that's probably due to that as well although there are certainly a lot of um, selfish idiots out there (laughs) who you know Bondi Beach had thousands of people on it after people were told not to congregate in public Um, the beach was closed the next day uh, and this is more than a week ago now and uh, there were still hundreds of people on the beach sort of basically jumping the barriers to get to the beach uh, yeah, that and- surprised me. I saw that there were loads of people there and I was like, okay, well, if there's no barriers, you know, that's one thing. But then I saw that they put up the barriers and there was footage of people literally climbing them to get over to get into the water. Right. And kind of like, guys, like, respect. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I know you want to go for a swim, but it's bigger than that now. It's about actions that you take that may not necessarily cause your death but may put other people in danger unnecessarily and they un- the, the tricky part is obviously how unforeseen it is you don't know that you know if you keep going outside of your house you might get the virus you might not even get sick from it but you might spread it to a place where someone else picks it up and they die from it yeah oh exactly and you know that's the risk is this is about um, not just herd immunity, but this is pre-herd immunity um, of saying that your behaviour is actually risking other people. So if you choose to take that risk for yourself, that's one thing. But when you're risking other people, that's uh, you, know, you don't have that right to choose. And I know I've been on, obviously, I'm on a, a fair number of uh, social media groups for landscape photography and landscape photographers, of course, are self-isolating. Um, but a lot of them are self-isolating by going to places that everybody else is not allowed to go to. Yes. And then there, you know, there's these rants on Facebook and Instagram and things of people saying, well, you know, I've got people yelling at me because I shouldn't be out here and there's nobody on the beach. Why can't I go out photographing? And you know, the reason there's nobody on the bloody beach is because everybody else is doing the right thing. You know, self-entitled pricks shouldn't have the opportunity to go and say, well, this is my exercise. You know, I'm going out with a camera and a tripod and a camera bag. What's it's the not limit exactly on that, though? Exercise. Because there are people surfing and I keep thinking, is this exercise? Is this leisure? Is this... It's leisure. And yeah. Yeah. I, we're going to get to the point. I think Victoria will probably jump in early on it of just saying... Here are the conditions. The government has put four conditions on it. The federal government has put four conditions. Um, The exercise one is the one that people are stretching. Uh, The other three are sort of quite obvious. Um, And if people are going to do that, they just got to put the message out saying you'll be arrested. Because the hard thing for me is I like to leave the house to work from the car. And so 
for the last week or so, I've been like more and more thinking, am I allowed to do this? And this is the hardest part that it's sort of murky, right? You don't know what the rules are in some of these gray. You can leave the house to get something if it's essential from the shops. So when I go shopping after that, I tend to go to the beach and then sit in the car with my book or with my computer. And I'm like, am I allowed to sit in the car park here, not leaving the car? Is this okay? Is this yeah. not okay? Uh... <laughs> so yeah, it's look, difficult. It's, it is difficult. And that's where the challenge is always that, and particularly when things are rushed, uh, yeah. this is not well, like legislation. Things changing every single created. day, right? With these fines yeah. coming down, there were people saying on the weekend, I think we had, fines passed in victoria where you could be fined sixteen hundred dollars for going to the beach or something like that and the the police were allowed to enforce that i remember because i was down there at the time and i heard someone talking to someone who was going to go surfing and telling them that that was on the radio and i'm like how the hell am i meant to know that if i didn't if i haven't turned the news on if i'm not listening to the radio and if the police just showed up and fined me i'd be pissed because i'd be like where's the warning like a but whose responsibility is that? Is it the government's responsibility to make sure everyone knows whether or not they're tuning into ABC News or whatever? Or is it our responsibility now in this situation to always be logged in and, you know, listening to it, tuned in? But at the same time, it's like, I'm just fatigued with all this coronavirus talk. How much do I need to be kept, kept up to date with all everything that changes on a daily basis? Yeah, well, you know, I suppose there's, yeah, the news is, yeah, and I've just been, yeah, reading a couple of newspapers just before we got on to see if there was any non-coronavirus stories we're talking about. Yeah, Jesus. But all the headlines are just, you know, coronavirus pandemic, coronavirus pandemic, coronavirus pandemic. Um, some of them are data-driven and they're the interesting ones. Some of them are about, you know, government statements, about, you know, changing conditions and so on, which are necessary. A lot of it is just filling space because there's nothing else to report on. Yeah, that's, you know. uh, I'm surprised and, though. And I would imagine there'd be still murders and, you know, interesting science papers being published and all kinds of other things that are, you know, newsworthy taking place around the world still. But it's interesting that there are so few other stories that aren't com- coronavirus related. Yeah. Clickbait. And look, I think you know, the, the clickbait journalism is going to get tired of this fairly quickly because people are just going to stop clicking on another story about what's happening to somebody with regard to coronavirus. So, and look, you know, we keep talking about it because there's not much else to talk about. Yeah, it's pretty frightening. I don't know, seeing as well what's going on in Italy where you think Italy and Spain are these two countries that are Western countries, but they're getting totally smashed with almost yeah. a 1,000 deaths a day at the moment. Spain had to open an ice rink as a temporary morgue to keep people, know. you know, dead bodies in their cold. Uh, it seems insane. And now the US, I think, has something like 160,000 cases and they've got, you know, what is it, 4,000 deaths or something and it's climbing and they're expecting to have over 100,000 by the end of the month. It yeah, seem, it seems um, frightening that it's going to really, really speed up in the in the next month or so. What do you foresee happening? Do you think that the curve's going to get flattened, or do you think it is only going to get worse for now? Well, it's the the curve is certainly flattening in a sense of, and I'm just sort of switching through here that um, the Guardian has an interesting page that just gets updated with daily data um, on the cumulative totals and then the daily count. And in Australia, where today, uh, well, yesterday, because we don't have today's data, but yesterday we had uh, less than half, probably less than a third of the number of new cases 
um, in the peak, which was a week ago. Yeah. So we've flattened that curve out a lot. Obviously, we're still getting new cases every day and we have people dying every day, unfortunately, but um, it's we've certainly flattened that curve out. Um, it's an artificial flattening um, in a sense because most people are doing the right thing and isolating. Um, and so it's not like the virus has changed its behaviour. The people have changed their behaviour, and so we're not going to uh, to get as um, as likely to have the contagions uh, transferring as quickly as we had previously. Uh, but the real thing about this is, firstly, we don't want more people sick because of the personal reasons for those people, but mostly we don't want people sick because we don't want the health system to overload, and that's the problem that they've had in Spain and Italy is that they've had a rapid increase in the number of cases, but their health system is completely overloaded. So most people who get symptoms and severe symptoms can't even attend hospital. They're well, and I saw that... Die at home. I you saw know, that um, dozens of doctors have started dying in Italy as well. And you yeah, just like... Yeah, exactly. And of course you're going to, if you're constantly being exposed to it. On a daily basis. It's weird because you, you don't realise that the medical staff now are effectively at war. Right, but they can't see. They can't really see the enemy. They keep seeing the victims, but they can't see the enemy. And they're the ones on the front line who are literally, you know, going to potentially die. So it, it is, um, it is pretty, pretty scary and pretty shocking at, at what's happening. Do you want to talk about uh, how Australia's government works and how? it may or may not be a positive thing for dealing with the coronavirus because we obviously have the federal government, which is countrywide, and then we have state or territory governments, which are obviously for the individual states and territories of Australia. Do you think that having those, that separation is going to help deal with the coronavirus? Is it, is it going to hinder dealing with the virus? Um, look, I think at the moment it's probably helping. We're in the fortunate situation where two states, the two most popular states that make up you know, nearly half the population of the country, that's Victoria and New South Wales, they've been leading the charge. So they've been ahead of the federal government. As long as the states are more severe in their restrictions, then I think that's fine because people will go, oh, well, the federal government have said this, oh, but my premier, uh, my government in my state is saying do something more. It's if it was the reverse, it would be a problem. If yeah. states were there effectively um, undercutting the federal government's conditions, then it would be a lot worse. So um, it's working for us at the moment. I think the interesting component is that there's a third tier of government, and that's local government. Uh, for instance, we live in the city of Greater Geelong, which has got a population of just over 200,000 people. Um, and... Local governments so far have not stepped into this discussion or argument because they're basically taking the state government regulations um, as the filter from the federal government and saying that will do. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens um, in the Easter break because even those people who are at the moment working from home, which seems to be most people other than the people who are absolutely required, yeah, me, your mum, uh, not yeah. that I'm working from home full-time at the moment, but... Um, and so lots of people are working from home, but over Easter when people are not working, mm. how many people are going to start travelling and going on holidays, not necessarily booking motel rooms and things, but going to holiday houses? And you know, we live in a town of about 15,000 people, but typically over Easter that would swell to between forty and 50,000. <laughs> and most of those people have got holiday houses. And um, I know the campgrounds and the 
uh, other than permanent residents in caravan parks, um, they're closed. So it won't be those, but we'll have 10,000 people potentially come down here to live in you know, their own homes and they'll be saying, well, we're self-isolating at home. But what they're doing is that they're bringing down, potentially bringing that virus to the Bellarine Peninsula where we live, where there have been no cases so far. And so that local government, I think, may end up reacting um, and they'll have to react afterwards, I suspect, because it's going to be too soon now for them to start arguing the point with the state government. Uh, but there have been some stories, certainly on social media, of some people in small rural towns, not you know, like we are, we're quite a suburban you know, environment, really, but small rural towns who are, who are threatening to turn into vigilantes. This and was saying, in Queensland, know, anybody right? who doesn't live here, we will shoot them. <laughs> really? Jesus. So there was, a, there was a thing yesterday where there's been restrictions on purchasing of guns, even beyond the norm, you know, even in <laughs> Australia. And, you know, and, and that's because people are scared. Clearly they're scared. If you live in a small rural town and you don't have the medical facilities, a lot of these people don't even have a doctor in their yeah. town, let alone a hospital. They would have to be flown to a hospital. And the Royal Flying Doctor Service has a limited number of doctors and planes. So... Um, it's understandable that local areas are having these things. So I think people have just got to cool up, uh, cool down and, and just say, look, you know, going on a holiday for five days and you know, hiding away in my holiday house um, is probably a bit selfish. Yeah, that seems like such a, a dilemma though, right? Because you would think I'm helping in that I'm isolating myself from my current location, but... Yep. I'm isolating myself by going somewhere else where there are other people who are already in isolation Yeah, and you're effectively putting them in jeopardy, right, mm-hmm. by going in and there. And that comes back to this, we're not making decisions on our own now. We're making decisions on behalf of other people and yeah. we have to be really conservative about that. Well, I got kind of pissed the other day. I was at the beach and I saw a bunch, like working from the car, and I saw a bunch of cars with foreign state number plates coming through and just like camper vans and you know i was just like it, it was weird because i had that instant reaction in me of just like what the hell are you guys doing here like you're still on yeah. holiday like Go you're home, from home. yeah what are you doing like it was pretty obvious that these guys are just traveling around australia and i was just thinking like oh it's so it's so frustrating that people just don't give a shit at times about that sort of stuff yeah, or, and, look, and that's been the advice from the federal government and our state government is if you are currently on holiday and you have the capability in australia and you have the yeah. capability of doing it go home yeah uh you know don't continue to travel around don't stay somewhere where you're you know you're adding particularly as people will typically go on holidays in within australia to smaller rural places um they're apart from affecting the uh, or potentially affecting or infecting uh the population there they're just increasing the load on the local health systems which are really stretched at the best of times I know, it's frustrating. What did you think about, I think Tasmania's Premier just brought through rules saying that they can't go to their own beach shacks if they've got any during Easter. So he said, just full stop, you're not allowed to go there unless you live there already. Yeah, unless you're already there, you're not allowed to go. Um, How would you police that? How do you police something like that, right? How do you know that someone doesn't live here permanently? You can't police it, and that's the problem. If people are going to be selfish, they're they're going to say, well, you know, it's my right. Uh, I don't care what the Premier says. Uh, it's my right to do it. I own it. It's my home. Um, I go there every Easter. But, you know, seriously, four or five days of holiday or four or five days of going off somewhere that, you know, you, 
you're likely to change the way that this virus gets spread. Well, and you're not even going to really be able to enjoy the location, you would imagine, like no, normal. You can't leave. There. Yeah. It's hard too because at the moment I'm wanting to go out and support some of the local cafes that I've always gone to by just buying a coffee there each day. But even that, I feel like, should I be doing this anymore? Like there are so many of these difficult unforeseen situations you end up in where, you know, you don't want to leave the house, but you want to support the locals. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You want to get exercise, everything like that. You have to try and balance it. Yeah. Um, what were some of the other funny stories that we saw this week related to the coronavirus? There was a guy, a Greek-Australian Good Samaritan in, um, I don't know which city it was, probably Melbourne, if he was Greek, handing out $100 bills to people at Centrelink. And he handed out yeah. $10,000 $10, and his thing was effectively, this country has been good to me. I came here with nothing and now I'm a wealthy businessman. So, you know, I want to give out to all these people who need something. Yeah, yeah. That was crazy. I know that was an interesting one. And look, that that pay it forward stuff is uh, is really good. And fortunately, there are some people who are in a position to be able to do that, and they're doing it. Uh, one of the other funny stories I found was that um, a guy who ended up with magnets stuck up his nose. Did you see that one? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Tell trying, that story. Tell to, that story. Trying trying to invent a detection system for social isolation or social spacing. Um, why he had magnets up his nose in the first place is beyond me, but <laughs> yeah, that was, never that trust was... a physicist, I think. So he's obviously a, I, I don't read the details of it, but I, I think from his age, he's probably a, um, a PhD student or a uh, postdoc in physics. But uh, you look at him and go, great idea, but um, really? Get out of the yeah. hospital, yeah. Get, get out of the, the hospital. Down, get back to work. Yeah. I know, Woolworths and Coles, I think, have just hired a ton more people. So, I think Coles just hired 5,000 more workers and mm-hmm. Woolworths trying to get another 20,000 um, hired. Do you want to talk a little bit about the situation with jobs, the economy, Centrelink, and um, what the future is going to look like? Yeah, well, the short-term future is fairly dire for a lot of people. I think it's now something like a million people in Australia are out of work. That doesn't mean they've lost their jobs because many of them are being stood down rather than sacked. Um, But particularly casual workers who work in the tourism industry or the services industries, um, there is no work for them. And so their employers can't keep paying them, although fortunately now the federal government have come up with a... uh, a way of paying your staff um, and funding employers to pay their staff in the interim. Um, But that casual employees have to have worked for that same employer for 12 months in order to be eligible. And there are a lot of casual casuals who just do the rounds of pick up jobs short term. So those people are effectively out of work. Um, There's a proportion of those people who have effectively been sacked rather than just stood down. And so we, I think at one stage we're having 10,000 new people a day registering for uh, uh, welfare from uh, Centrelink, which is our social services department. And I noticed ironically that the uh, federal government at the same time changed that, you know, the particular thing that people were looking for from Newstart, which was the old name, to JobSeek. And I can't imagine anybody is actually there seeking jobs at the moment, particularly as in order to meet the criteria you have for meeting it for looking for a job, you have to be in breach of the social isolation policies. So, um, yeah, yeah, but 
names aside, at least the government is now trying to help employers maintain employees. Uh, but some of the very large companies have been uh, standing down tens of thousands of people. But some of the some of the uh, the ones who are still operating, like the big supermarkets, as you've said, have employed tens of thousands of people, or at least they have tens of thousands of jobs open uh, in the short to medium term, mostly for shelf stackers and home delivery services, uh, because many more people are um, are wanting to uh, just shop from home, and so mostly that was a that was a very small percentage of the supermarket business in Australia up until this crisis. So. They simply didn't have the resources to be delivering food to people or to, you know, general goods to people at home. So uh, I think obviously that's a new uh, opportunity for people. And look, I think that will, you know, once this crisis dies down, I think the um, shopping from home, which many of us do for most of the things that we purchase other than supermarket food you know, and pharmacy goods and so on. G'day, mate. That was the first half of this episode of The Goss. If you would like to continue watching or continue listening to this episode, make sure that you sign up for the premium podcast or academy memberships at aussieenglish.com.au where you will get full access to these entire episodes of this series and much, much more. You can go check that out using the links below or just go to aussieenglish.com.au. Once again, Thank you so much for joining me, mate, and I will see you next time. Peace.